0: Good morning and God's blessings to you on this, the second Sunday of Easter. Thank God, again, that Christ has risen from the dead so that we might obtain eternal life and salvation by his blood. We'll be following the order of service, divine service, setting three without communion this morning. This morning, uh, just a note uh, something that's uh, a marvelous uh, feature of the liturgy, is this Sunday is called, uh, according to the Latin terminology, it's called Quasimodo Geneti. It's an interesting... An uh, interesting name, but quasi quasimodogenity simply means like newborn babes, like newborn infants, which is from uh, Peter's epistle, which tells us what it's like uh, to be born anew in Christ. We're once again washed clean, innocent, refreshed with uh, new life, the Spirit of God, so that like newborn infants, we can cling to him in trust and in hope. With that, we'll begin by singing hymn number 490, Jesus Lives, the Victory's Won. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us. And for his sake, grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will, and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us, and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. We continue with the intro. Like newborn infants, alleluia! Long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. Alleluia! Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. And with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Like newborn infants, alleluia. Long for the pure spiritual milk of the word. Alleluia. grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 John chapter 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar." because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah he has risen from the dead and behold he is going before you to Galilee Hallelujah 8 days later Jesus came and stood among them and said Peace be with you Hallelujah The Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory be to thee. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, "Peace be with you." When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, Hallelujah! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed! Hallelujah. Today's Gospel lesson begins last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, in the evening, while the disciples huddled together behind locked doors. The women had already gone to the tomb, and Mary Magdalene returned, saying that she had seen the Lord. But yet, here, the disciples are huddled together behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. What exactly were they afraid of? They were afraid because the Jews had succeeded in killing Jesus. Jesus, whom the disciples thought was the Messiah, the one they had hoped would redeem Israel. The Jews killed him. But when you're squashing a movement, you don't settle just for killing the leader. You also have to do something about his closest associates. Jesus himself had said, the servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted Jesus... They would also certainly persecute the disciples. And so the disciples were afraid. Their world was completely undone. The things they had taken most for granted were gone, proven false, in fact. Jesus was not with them anymore. They had devoted themselves to him, and it was over. What did they have left? Where should they go now? What would they do now? You certainly get a sense of this undoing When you lose a close loved one, say it's someone you see or you call every day, a spouse or a child or a parent, they're a fixture in your life. You could never imagine life without them, and now they're gone. And you don't know which way is up or what comes next. But Jesus, Jesus was more than a parent or a child or a brother. He was supposed to be their Savior. The disciples had begun to fear already, when Jesus was arrested, and they all scattered like sheep. And perhaps the fact that they had scattered was another cause for fear. You remember Peter's experience. Jesus told him that before the rooster crowed twice, he would deny him three times. After the third time denying Jesus even with curses, the rooster crowed. And Jesus looked at Peter, and Peter wept bitterly. That memory was vivid. The regret was still fresh. How could they live with themselves considering what they had done, considering how they had abandoned Jesus entirely in his hour of deepest need? We saw how heavy that burden can be in Judas, who thought that he couldn't live with himself because of what he'd done. His regret gave way to despair, and he murdered himself. There was no blood money in the pockets of any of the other disciples, but abandonment is betrayal by another name. Perhaps this is why Thomas wasn't with the other disciples that night. Maybe he couldn't imagine having to look anyone in the eye, knowing how cowardly and faithlessly they'd all behaved. And knowing that now it appeared that they'd all been duped. It all seemed to be a big hoax. Jesus was dead. It's like they all woke up that morning and realized that they had unwittingly become members of a cult. How foolish they seemed to have been. Yes, Mary Magdalene had told the disciples, I have seen the Lord, but what good was her report? The report of one witness. Besides, suppose Jesus had risen from the dead, just as he said, suppose it was true. How would he regard the disciples now? He once had called them friends, but that was before all of this had happened. This was more than just a personal injury. This was more than just letting down a friend. Suppose it was all true that he was the very son of God, and they had run away while he was led to the cross. Then it was not just a friend that they had betrayed, but God himself, whom they denied. That is cause for great fear. Perhaps that's why Thomas did not believe. Perhaps he did not want it to be true. How could God possibly forgive him? How could the Son of God possibly speak peace to one such as him? That is cause for great fear. There is a lot of fear in our world. Too much fear, doubtlessly, of things that really shouldn't frighten us. At the same time, there is also too little fear... Of many things that should frighten us. Humans are notoriously bad at judging danger. Just think about how readily we hop into the car. Probably one of the most dangerous things we can do. Meanwhile, if you watch the movie Jaws, it can be enough to scare you from the beach for a good long while. But by far, by far, what we should fear most is God. Do not fear those who can hurt the body, Jesus says but rather fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell fear of god fear of his displeasure fear of his wrath over sin fear of his judgment and holiness that is rare in this world for most people it is just a joke it's a joke for most to think that god punishes sin to think that there's something that there's someone other than me who decides right and wrong, and to whom I must give an account. Look around the world and see whether anyone really fears God. Look into your own life and consider where your fear of God is lacking. The disciples were afraid that they would fall into the hands of the Jews. What they really ought to have feared, and perhaps they did, is that they would fall into the hands of God. It was the evening of that day, as the disciples huddled in fear, and Jesus came and stood among them. Notice how he doesn't waste a moment. He doesn't waste a breath. He opened his mouth, and the first thing he said was, Peace be with you. To those who are in fear, God does not waste a moment in speaking peace. But at that moment, the disciples must have realized how trivial was their fear of the Jews. For the peace that Jesus spoke was from God himself, from their heavenly Father. His peace was not merely a cure for, those, for the fear of those who can hurt the body. It was a cure for those who fear God, who regret their sins, who fear death and judgment. Peace be with you. Can you imagine how much those words meant to the disciples? Let's try to picture what it was like. Imagine having the bank knock on your door to say that your mortgage has been forgiven, just as your house is about to foreclose. Imagine having the doctor call you up and say that your cancer has disappeared just as you are about to give up on treatment. Imagine hearing the breaking news that the war is over, that a treaty has been signed, that the troops are coming home. None of those things even comes close. Imagine instead that you are dead rotting in the grave, bound for hell. And there, God, your Heavenly Father, reaches into death and pulls you from the grave in love. In fact, you don't have to imagine it. You who feel the weight of your guilt, you who fear God, you who regret your sins, you who fear death and judgment, you need not imagine how much those words meant to the disciples because those words mean the same thing for you. Peace be with you says the one whom you fear. Peace be with you, says the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell, but will not because he has given you peace. Peace be with you, says the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. Peace be with you. It's not just a sentiment. It's not just a greeting, like a hello or a how you doing, but it is the very thing that it says. By speaking those words, and fleshed in the body that hung on the cross and was laid in the grave, Jesus delivers the peace that he speaks. You who fear God have peace with God by the blood of Jesus. Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. It was not peace with the Jews that Jesus brought. It was not a temporal peace. He didn't offer the disciples safety, a peace with earthly enemies, a peace from war or trouble or persecution. They would indeed suffer the same persecution that Jesus himself suffered. Those things persist until the last day, and we are not promised relief from them in this life. But it is no matter, because relief from those things, from temporal things, is nothing in comparison with peace with God. God, the maker of heaven and earth, God, the judge, who on the last day will call for a reckoning of all your deeds, peace with him is the only peace that matters, and you have it. See the wounds in Christ's hand and side, and see there the price he was willing to pay for peace with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. For the news of the resurrection is not meant just for the disciples huddled in that room. He would have done it just for them. He would have done all of it, going to the cross and dying and being laid in the grave. He would have done it just for them. He would have done it just for you. But his blood is sufficient for the sins of the whole world. And it is for the whole world that he died. And so the apostles who bear this message of peace with God are sent into the world to share this message with all who suffer under the weight of sin and death. They are sent to gather God's people by the preaching of forgiveness on account of Christ. Notice how critical this authority is that Jesus gives to the apostles and so to the church. He gives them the authority to forgive sins and to withhold forgiveness. For it is by the forgiveness of sins that we have peace with God. It's our sin that has made us enemies of God. It is our sin that puts us under God's wrath and judgment. And our sins are too great for us to bear, too costly for us to make atonement. The only way that we can be saved from our sins is by forgiveness. By God himself erasing the debt that we owe him by God himself spilling the blood required to forge peace. Forgiveness is what delivers peace with God. But notice that there are two edges to the authority given to the apostles. There are two keys given to the church. One that opens heaven and one that closes it. As earnestly and zealously and fervently as forgiveness is to be preached to those who fear God's wrath, who lament their sins, forgiveness is not to be preached to those who are not afraid, who fear neither sin nor judgment. Peace is not to be proclaimed to those who think they already have peace by their own virtue. If you think that your sins do not warrant eternal death, if you think that God does not care how you live your life, if you think that you're just fine, that he has no cause to cast you into hell, that you do not daily sin much and deserve nothing but punishment. If you do not fear God, then this peace, this forgiveness, is not yours. Christ himself said it is not the well who need a physician, but the sick. If that's you, search your heart and see that what proceeds from your heart is selfishness and wickedness. If you do not fear God, search your thoughts and see how they are bent on your own gain, your own happiness your own comfort and pleasure. And even if you cannot see that in yourself, listen to God's word. For Jesus himself tells you what's in your heart. If you cannot see it, it's because you are blind. But Jesus has come to open the eyes of the blind. Believe what he says. For from within, Jesus says, from the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these things come from within, Jesus says, and they defile a person. And that means that in the day of reckoning, and even now, you cannot stand in God's presence. Fear God and repent, for there is mercy for those who fear him. There is this word of peace, of forgiveness for those who need it. Do not disbelieve, but believe. For what, does God, what God does for those who fear him is nothing short of giving them new life, of turning them again into infants who long for pure spiritual milk. Did you notice that strange thing that Jesus did when he gave the apostles the Holy Spirit? He breathed on them. It's reminiscent of our Old Testament lesson in which God asks Ezekiel to prophesy to the dead bones. Can these bones live? God had asked. Surely God himself is the only one who knows that. Ezekiel prophesied, and the bones came together, and there was flesh upon them, but they still needed breath. And so Ezekiel prophesied to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And the breath came into them, and they stood upright, and the dead bones were alive again. They needed new life. They needed breath because they had lost the breath and life that God gave to mankind from the beginning. Remember how it goes in Genesis 2. God formed man from the dust of the ground, and unlike with any of the other creatures, God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. Man lived, and the life he lived was the life from God's own breath, God's own spirit. But when man sinned and came under God's wrath, and peace was lost, and the earth was filled with nothing but dry bones, the breath of life was gone. What would it take to resurrect those dead bones? It would take a new act of creation. It would take God once again breathing life into them. Can these bones live? Can you and I be rescued from our sin, from God's wrath, from our warfare with him, from our enmity? From the wickedness of our hearts. What will it take? It takes God's own spirit, delivered by the resurrected Jesus, so that sins can be forgiven in his name and that you and I can live a new life. Those who do not fear God do not realize that it is no life at all being among the dead in the valley of dry bones. But your eyes have seen the wages of sin seeing how christ himself joined the ranks of the dead in order to redeem you your ears have heard god's words of judgment and it is on you that god's spirit has been breathed the spirit of adoption as children of god so that even as you fear god you do not need to be afraid because you have peace you have the peace of christ himself the peace of sons of God, the peace that sounds out from the cross, it is finished and echoes in the empty tomb. He is not here, he is risen. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. Almighty and eternal God, worthy to be held in reverence by all people everywhere, we give you humble and sincere thanks for the innumerable blessings that you have bestowed on us without any merit or worthiness on our part. We praise you especially for preserving preserving for us your saving word and the holy sacraments. Grant and preserve to your holy church throughout the world purity of doctrine and provide faithful pastors to preach your word with power. Help all who hear the word rightly to understand and truly to believe it. Send laborers into your harvest and open the door of faith to those who do not know you. In mercy, bring to repentance the enemies of your church and grant them amendment of life. Protect and defend your church in all tribulation and danger. Strengthen us and all fellow Christians to set our hope fully on the grace revealed in Christ and help us to fight the good fight of faith, that in the end we may receive the salvation of our souls. Bestow your grace on all nations of the earth. Bless especially our country, its inhabitants, and all who are in authority. Let your glory dwell in our land that mercy and truth, righteousness and peace may abound in all places. Graciously defend us from all calamity by fire and water, from war and pestilence, from scarcity and famine, and from every other evil. Protect and prosper all who labor in their rightful callings and let all useful arts flourish among us. Be the God and Father of the lonely and the forsaken, the helper of the sick and the needy, the comforter of the distressed and those who sorrow. Remember especially today Donna, Laurie, Lucy, Roland, and Except we implore you, our bodies and souls, our hearts and minds, our talents and powers. Grant your Holy Spirit to those who come to the Lord's table this day, that they may receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ in sincere repentance and firm faith to their abundant blessing. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day before the night comes when no one can work and when our last hour comes support us by your power and receive us into your heavenly kingdom through jesus christ your son our lord who lives and reigns with you and the holy spirit one god now and forever amen our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread God's peace and blessings to you again on this the second Sunday of Easter. Uh, what a joyous thing that we get to celebrate Easter. We get to continue to celebrate Easter all the way up until the day of Pentecost, uh, f- uh, 50 days of Easter, where we get to enjoy these wonderful Easter hymns that remind us of God's powerful victory over sin and death. Pay attention to just a couple of announcements. Keep reading the emails that I'm sending. If you're if you're not getting emails and you'd like to get them, please let me know. I'll be sure to include you. Um, Especially as we move forward in time here, I want to make sure that we're all staying in touch now that the Easter uh, c- celebration is past, uh, that we keep up the discipline of studying God's Word, of prayer, and uh, putting our faith in the good things that God has done for us. To that effect, there is, um, again, this week's uh, bulletin insert that contains uh, information for your family devotions, a hymn verse from that last hymn that we just sang Awake My Heart with Gladness. The third article of the creed for, uh, for your review. And then this Bible story, which is a helpful uh, Bible story to review as we're going along through the, the Bible stories. Genesis chapter 6 through 9, uh, the story of the flood. And th- Here's what I wrote in the bulletin insert, and I just want to say a couple things about it. Um, here's what I said. God promised to rescue the world from sin. That's the promise he gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. But that promise didn't stop people from getting wickeder all the time. God decided to wipe the earth clean of wickedness, and so he sent the flood and saved only Noah and his family in the ark. Noah trusted God, and God delivered him. It's important for us Christians to see our lives in view of that story, that we live in a wicked world, a world that is getting wickeder all the time, a world that has judgment coming to it, wrath coming to it. And God means to execute justice in the earth, but he also means to save us, like he saved Noah and his family. The only way that he does save us, the only way that he can, is by uh, pulling us out of this wicked world, pulling us out of our wicked selves, crucifying us, drowning our old sinful flesh in the waters of baptism and giving us new life, a new breath by his Spirit. And that's the the great value of that story for our church, for the church, is to see in it God's act of salvation, his judgment against wickedness, but then his act of salvation for us, his people. Uh, As we are... Anticipating eagerly the day we can all come back together here in the sanctuary, Um, I'm I'm doing a little bit of work putting together some, hopefully some special music for that first service, whenever that will be. Um, If you have any interest in singing in a choir, please let me know. Um, All voices are welcome, and it'll just be a nice way for us to beautify the service beyond the beauty that we already have in the liturgy, a a special way for us to celebrate the gift of uh, joining together as a church, as a congregation in worship of God. So if you have any interest in that, please let me know. Also, I'd like to do uh, put a little effort into Bible study. Um, it's a little bit tricky with the distance. It's a little bit tricky because one, one of the great benefits of Bible study is the back and forth that we can have some interaction that you can ask questions and then I can ask questions of you. But we'll do our best. Um, Heidi made the great suggestion of using Facebook Live. And so um, I'm going to try and do something like that. But I'd like to aim it at your questions. So I've already received a handful of questions, timely questions, from folks that I'll pick up um, and and work on preparation this week. But if you have any questions that you'd like uh, handled in a Bible class, um, let me know. Just shoot me an email, send me a message, whatever suits you, and I will um, I'll prepare something that uh, we I can put in a video. Um, and if you are able to interact with Facebook Live, then you can you can log on at the same time. Um, otherwise, you'll be able to watch the video afterwards. So stay tuned for that. More information coming in emails uh, in the future. That's all I have for today. God's peace and blessings to you once again, and I look forward, uh, I look forward to that day when we can worship together again.